Thanks for joining another episode of the Sweat Elite Podcast. This is Matt. I'm recording this episode from Helsinki in Finland. And uh, if you've ever been stuck in a mental rut, and what I mean by that is if you've ever been in a situation where you've been training very hard uh, and not racing so well, uh, obsessing over times in training and in racing, looking at splits often and always being disappointed in your training and racing or, or, or regularly being disappointed, this episode is definitely for you because I speak with Germany's uh, Philip Barr once again, 216 marathoner from Germany, who's uh, full of wisdom in the in running, in, in my opinion, and he's got some very good advice uh, about how to deal with that sort of problem. I myself uh, have also been through that uh, phase as well many years ago when I was running in the middle distance events, and Philip's sort of, uh, I guess, just come out of that phase where he's um, found it a little bit difficult. Uh, to, to, to progress and found himself sort of obsessing over times in, in training and, and not really seeing the improvement. So you know, this episode is focused about uh, on that topic. And I think anyone that's been in that situation before or is currently dealing with it will, will enjoy this episode. Uh, thank you so much to everyone that listened to the last episode, episode number five on the Nike Zoom Vaporflies. We asked the question, uh, is it actually humans getting faster or are the shoes uh, really helping us improve uh, because we've obviously seen the world record come down by uh, about a minute and a half uh, since the vapor flies have come out and all the times uh, all the top I think f- most of the top 20 times in the last two years have, have been uh, run by athletes wearing the vapor flies so uh, thanks for uh, listening to that one if you have already if you haven't I'd check it out uh, I've got uh, Eleanor here with me who's been helping me with the, the podcast with mainly the technical stuff and she was actually with me in Berlin uh, at the Berlin Marathon, and um, so say hi, Elena. Hi. Uh, yeah, that's true. Sometimes Matt really needs a technical support. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad. Uh, I was indeed there uh, during the Berlin Marathon weekend, and I must say that it was quite a unique experience because it felt like the entire city is getting ready for the event. Posters and ads everywhere for the vapor flies as well. Yeah, yeah I mean uh, for the Berlin Marathon, but also a lot of ads for the for the vapor flies. Right, I noticed that too. So it's I don't know. It felt like every time you meet a random person, the conversation ends up being about Berlin Marathon. So this one time, do you remember when yeah. we were buying chocolate in in, in the uh, supermarket? The supermarket yeah. And then there was this random guy standing behind us. I suppose he got uh, interested uh, about where we are from and what we are doing here in Berlin. And uh, yeah, then then he heard that we are here for the marathon, and he, he he was he was so super excited about it. He he it turned out to be that he was also running it a couple of times and. He had so much to say about it, but anyways, I guess the the point that I'm I'm making here is, uh, yeah, you could you could feel that the city is getting ready for something 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 big. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was definitely a big build up. Uh, we were there for the week beforehand, and uh, yeah, thanks uh, to Eleanor for who's been helping me with the with getting the podcast relaunched. Um, she is right. I do have. Um, a little bit of impatience with some technology, uh, but she's been helping us get up and running again. And huge thanks to all of the subscribers that have come on board in the last week since we uh, relaunched the podcast. Well, thanks to all subscribers that have ever come on board, but there's been quite a lot of you in the last week since we rolled out the last podcast because subscribers have access to the full version of the podcast on the Apple iTunes, uh, sorry, Apple podcast app and the Android based apps. You listen to the preview 
Um, and so huge thanks to everyone that's joined. Uh, there'll be plenty of more podcasts coming very soon. The next episode after this one will be all about our experience of the Ineos Challenge last week. Um, we got to run with a pacer of the Ineos Challenge the following day after the event, and we got some info- inside information there. But back to this episode with Philip Barr, all about uh, and being in a mental rut and how to get over the mental rut and enjoy running again. So I hope you enjoy it. Okay, I'm here in uh, Berlin for the second podcast episode of the day with with Philip Barr, who's 216 marathoner, um, had a rough year with injuries, uh, and the Berlin Marathon was 11 days ago now. Um, Ineos Challenge is in two days. And this episode is going to be about runners that find themselves in mental ruts and that stagnate when they're not 100% sure why. So they don't really have any injuries. Um they may have just seen a period where they have improved a lot um, in a year or two, and then all of a sudden they hit this wall. So I guess we're two good people to talk about this because this has happened to both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Interesting topic today. It is. Uh, so just quickly, if, because people may not have listened to the other podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. Philip's been on two other episodes before this. Um, uh, very quickly, Philip, maybe in a minute or so you can talk about um, who you are. Uh, I guess I just very briefly said that, but um, what your last few years have been like. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ran in the United States from 2011 to 2016, and that basically has mostly gone pretty phenomenal. Right? That was on a college scholarship. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went down a college scholarship, had a really good time, and athletically improved dramatically. I went there with like a 356, 1500, and came back afterwards um, with like a 349, 14, 10, 5K, those kind of things. So I really, really improved. And the two years after college also went phenomenal. I, I came back here, was back for four months in Germany, won the German national championship in half marathon in Germany, running right under 65 minutes. Um, I ran uh, 29.30, so cracked 30 for the first time at the time, which was a big improvement. Then 10 k Exactly. Then ran... Uh, 13, uh, 59 in the 5,000 meters, which, you know, was always one of my huge dreams, yeah. like like a career goal, basically, yeah. at the time. So everything was going amazing. I won uh, medals at German championships, which, uh, you know, if you had asked me a few years ago, I thought if I would ever win one medal in, in my career, you know, I would be so happy. And that year alone, I won three, won one championship and, and uh, two bronze medals. And so everything was going great. Well... Then I qualified in the marathon for the European Championships. Um, the race was okay. It was pretty hot. You know, this and that. First international experience. It wasn't great, but it was all right. So then I um, went... At the time, I was still working full-time. And then I went from working full-time to a full-time professional runner. And this was at the end of last year. Exactly. So starting January 1st, 2019, uh, I was basically only only running for the most part. And, um, you know, how things go, basically... Around Christmas in 2018, I picked up an injury, um, massive groin pain, which kept me out for about two weeks. Then I started back running, had to take time back off. It was on and off, whatever. Um, That really tampered with my preparation for the Vienna City Marathon, which was my first marathon as a full-time professional. And um, I still towed the line. I still ran, ran pretty horrible for my, you know, expectations at the time. We talked about it in the last podcast. I ended up running 218, so about two minutes slower than my PB. Well... You expect yourself going from full time working to full time running to improve, not to get not to get two minutes slower. 
So, you know, there, my, my confidence definitely took a really big hit at the time, which, you know, it had, had, it had taken quite a few jabs already in New Zealand where our training camp happened, where I was having some amazing training sessions and then again, some horrible training sessions because, you know, when you come back from injury, you obviously don't have the base, you don't have the stability. And I was still in pain here and there. So then after Vienna, took some time off, started back running and I was mostly pain-free at the time. It was still nagging here and there, but I was training hard, but training was going well, but the results in races just weren't there. Like I was running like way subpar. I was basically running like, like three years ago, like, you know, like, I, like this improvement that I had made over the previous years had never happened mm -hmm. in training. I was, I was training basically on a completely new level that I've never achieved before. But in racing, I basically took three steps back for whatever reason. Then right before the Berlin Marathon, I picked up a calf strain and that took me completely out for the Berlin Marathon. So what I always like to joke, if you would have asked me last December to basically draw the worst possible scenario for my first professional, for my first year as a professional runner, I could have not drawn up as bad as it turned out to be. Yeah. So... Um, I'm a person that is, has a very positive mindset. So I'm sitting here smiling at you because I look at it from a neutral standpoint. It is what it is. You can't change it. I'm trying to keep, you know, a positive attitude. But the question now is, where do you go from here? How do you get out of this funk? Because obviously I struggled with overtraining because I trained hard and raced poorly. I struggled with injuries, which I had never before in my life. Yeah. Before, up to this point, I have, I've raced and trained hard for about 11 years. So from about 15 years old till 26. And you can count the days that I had to sit out from training with injury on two hands. Mm. So less than 10, 100%. I didn't keep track on it because it never happened. Mm. And then this year, basically, I've had, I've had two big injuries, the calf strain and the hip issue. And, you know, now I'm, I'm taking my season break um, because this whole, um, the, the whole groin issue is still nagging and turned out I actually had uh, what you also had struggled with previously, which is called the uh, osteitis uh, yes. pubis, um, which is basically an, an inflammation, a chronic inflammation in the hip. And I'm not about to start another preparation with a hurting groin like that. And I've heard from multiple runners that had this issue. And so now I'm at a point where I can really reset. And that's where we got talking yesterday mm -hmm. and talked about this issue because not only did I have an injury funk, but also had a racing funk. So now it's definitely a chance where you can take a step back, reevaluate and think about, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, and we got talking a lot about this yesterday. We, we met yesterday to actually go to a museum, but we spoke about this for a long time because uh, very short story on myself before I talk about other examples of this, um, I guess, mental rut or funk that you can find yourself in where you're training okay, pretty well, but you're just not able to improve anymore for, for whatever reason. Um, I used to, th these days I'm, I'm running recreationally over the longer distances, 10K to the marathon. Uh, just to some sort of um, uh, perspective, I ran Berlin Marathon last weekend in 235 and remarkably came 331st, which is an extremely deep <laughs> right. race. Uh, I, was, I was actually focusing on the middle distances through my uh, early to mid-20s mostly 800 meters and as a 19 20 year old i improved from 152 to 148 very quickly um and looking back at the time i didn't really know what i was doing either i was just having fun with it 
I was uh, trying hard to to win races all the time rather than focus on the splits. I had a brilliant coach who uh, unfortunately had to leave me for a job. He was a doctor and he had to move um, uh, interstate in Australia. And uh, after that, I never improved. I was stuck on 148 for the rest of my 20s, which was about six years. Mm -hmm. I ran 148 many times, but I never improved. And I got into this horrible mental rut for years, sort of not consistently mentally cooked, but, you know, I had little periods where I'd find a little bit of light where I'd sort of run okay and enjoy it. But for the most part, I was struggling. And, of course, there's no one answer to, to fix this. But over the next sort of 30, 40 minutes, we want to talk about um, maybe some ideas that can that, that can help people get out of that rut. Because I think that based on my own story and and, and listening to, to your story over the last year and other people that I've spoken to recently, it's very, very common. And I think that there are ways that you can that you can improve upon it and avoid it if possible. Mm-hmm. Um so let's get talking about that. Uh, I'm convinced after... Uh, actually, let me take a step back. Um, uh, I was in Kenya recently, and I met a number of um, good runners, some recreational, some close to pro, I guess, and uh, a female who I'm not going to mention any names or, or, or anything like that. Uh, I've been in contact with her quite a bit um, since. So I was in Kenya in uh, uh, early... When was it? Uh, sorry, in, 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 in early, late August, early September, and it's now uh, almost mid-October. So um, she mentioned that she ran uh, for fun, 3.30 marathon, 3.35. And then out of the blue, she sort of trained a little bit more without really doing anything specific for a a few months and ran ran 3.16. She uh, was then featured on a few Instagram pages about how, well, she's seen a big improvement. And then then all of a sudden she, um, you know, I'm only telling the story from what she told me. Um, she had quite a few people um, follow her on Instagram and on Strava and say, oh, you should run 3.10 or 3.05 very soon. All of a sudden, she started taking things very seriously. Okay, she started to do, um, to be very anal, uh, very, uh, sorry, like very um, uh, careful about her, her splits in training and, and um, she's trained on her own with no coach and so on. And, and I've been talking a lot of, about her, I've been talking with her a lot lately, sorry, over the last couple of um, weeks because she went to run a marathon a week ago now, or it could have been two weeks ago, and ran 320. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was trying to run closer to 312, and she didn't improve, and, and she's been asking me for, um, I guess, what my opinions are about that. And admittedly, I didn't know a lot about her background, but her and I have come to this realization that, I guess, in a similar topic to what we're talking about here, or same topic, is that she started taking it really seriously. Um, she stopped running uh, freely in training. She mentioned to me that um, in a couple of messages that, she now gets very angry and stressed when she doesn't hit splits in training, like very, very angry. She even admitted that to myself, um, to me, sorry. And she feels a lot of pressure about what people around her think about her results and training and, and, and so forth. And, and we both came to this conclusion that if she went back to enjoying it a lot more like she was before, when she saw that shift from 3.30 to 3.16, um, running more free, running around friends, um, and so on. That's the recipe for her future improvement. And when we both speak about the times that we saw massive shifts, so you sort of went from, I guess, uh, mid 30, 10 K or maybe very high mm-hmm. 10 K to running sub 65 and a half, uh, marathon. Uh, that, that story is funny, by the way, we have to talk about that <laughs> at some point on this road, guys, that, that race when you ran 64 and won the German half marathon championships. And when I shifted from a 152 to 148, but at the time we were both 
really enjoying the running. We weren't super crazy about the training and what we were doing. It was more about completing it, getting it done. Um, but we were also hungry to win mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that and, and, and maybe a bit more about your experience there. Yeah, I, I was obviously thinking about, a lot um, about what happened in these, in these, uh, especially two years, especially that one year, 2017. I was probably athletically my most successful year, not only in, you know, measured by PBs, but also in successes and and just improvements and such, and also by how much I had I had fun. And um, what I really realized that um, for me it came down to to a few things. Um, one major Uh, contributor at the time was just my overall mindset so I had you have to a little background information I had just graduated college with a master's degree I had just married my wife Um, she's from Texas so she decided to move to Germany with me Um, so we basically were doing all these things that we always talked about we got our first apartment together you know we were buying our first furniture we were doing all these things that are that are fun and that kind of distract you from running and and um, I was still training and so was she at the time, um, but running was not the absolute center of our life. We had you so didn't much... draw all happiness from running. Exactly, we had so much to do, but our overall overall mindset was so positive that you just felt like so so undefeatable and 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 also so bulletproof. Because, you know, what could go wrong? You were like on top of the world at the time. And that showed in racing and, and in training. Training went well. I, I never even questioned if I would go out on a run. And, and that, you know, that was at the beginning when Strava was getting just popular at the time. I saw all my, all my club mates running like really fast times and they were in training camps. And I was out here in Berlin. I was miserable. It was cold. It was snowy. And I got such a kick out of it because I thought, you know, I'm here with my wife. We have our own apartment. This is so much fun. Like... I, there's no place in the world I would rather be right now. And, you know, you are training, you, you're doing your training runs, and they might be slower than the other guys, but, but you don't care because everything else in your life is going, is going great. And then you start racing and you just have such a positive, I don't give a damn attitude yeah. when, you to, when you told the line that, you know, whatever happens that day is, is, is going to be good because, you know, what else, what, what else should it be? Because yeah. everything is going good right now. Yeah. And it's almost like if I run poorly here, who cares? Exactly, and, and I'm yeah. just going to do another race. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, and but if I run well, awesome. Yeah. So it's almost like you're almost like somehow mentally eliminating the downsides. Totally. Yeah. And um, I, at the time, also, I told my coach, he asked me, okay, what do we want to run? Cross country, track, indoor, outdoor. Uh, I said, I mean, let's do everything. Yeah. You know, I, I really didn't care. I ran, I ran indoors, 1500 and 3K. Then I went to cross country. Then I ran the half marathon champs. Then I went to the 10K nationals. Then I ran 5K in Belgium. Yeah. Um, then I went back to some 1500, 800 races on the track. I really didn't care. I said, fuck it, let's just run. I don't care. Let's run whatever. And I didn't, I, I trained hard, but like, you know, I, I wasn't really focused or dialed in on, okay, I'm a 5K runner. I need to run 5Ks. I just wanted to run. I knew I was fit. I wanted to run and it didn't matter what distance or whatever. And like you said, I just wanted to win. You just told the line. If you're running 800, okay, there are the 800-meter runners. I'm going to try to beat as many as I can today. This is a perfect time for you to tell the half marathon story. Yeah, so <laughs> so we're pulling up. Um, and Wait, wait. Uh, year? 2017? 2017. Berlin half marathon. Uh, sorry, Germany. Germany half, half marathon. marathon. Mm-hmm. So 
Previously, I had run indoor. I ran eight or nine indoors. Was a PB at the time. Three um, k. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went to the German cross country nationals and actually won my first medal there at uh, any national championships um, because the guy who was in second at the time dropped out like on the last lap and all of a sudden I went from fourth to third. I was like, oh my god, this is really happening, and uh, won my first medal ever. Went to my first doping test afterwards. So I was like on top of the world. You know, I was all of a sudden like a serious runner. Yeah. And. Um, then right after that we were like okay uh half marathon champs are coming up and we had such a strong team at the time so at german nationals there's also a team championship every time on these road races so the best three runners from any given club are being added in time and then the team with the lowest time wins lowest combined time mm -hmm. and at, on our team at the time man we were loaded we had six guys who were so massively competitive i was the slowest measured by pb so we had an olympian who was a 230 marathon at the time we had a guy we had two guys who were sub 29 in the 10k we had another guy who was sub 14 in the in, in, the, in the 5k and uh, another guy um who you met last year, Powell, the doctor, yes. who was a sub-65 half marathon runner at yeah. the time. And I was a complete chump. And so my coach told me, hey, Phil, like, if we make it in the first team and you can win another medal, like a team medal, that would be amazing. Yeah. So I said, hell yeah, let's do it. I, I think I can do it. And so I told the line with the goal of supporting my team as much as I could and hopefully finishing top three in my team. And then I'm at the starting line and everybody just talks about um, this other super fast runner. His name is uh, Hendrik Pfeiffer. He's a 2.13 marathon runner yeah, from Germany. I've spoken to him. Very good job. Good yeah, run. Yeah. Really, really good. He's about to run um, another marathon, um, I think this weekend in, in Cologne. So mm. you keep an eye on it for, for his result. He um, ran a quick half recently. Yeah, 63 low. Yeah, yeah, and it was like a training run or something. I think I saw. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Anyways. And uh, so he had just come back from injury. So I have to say he, he was probably not... 100% on top of his game but yeah. he was fit and everybody told me he was fit and we were starting um, we were about to start and, and I'm in the bathroom and everybody's like oh yeah he's he's just gonna run everybody's just gonna basically battle it out for a second and I'm just thinking to myself like what the hell are you talking about like you don't know what I did you don't know how hard I trained and I've trained well but looking back at it I mean it really was not anything special I told you a few yeah. workouts and they were, they, they, were, they were okay but nothing like Nothing that pointed at me. Nothing like going, wow, you're an amazing yeah. form. Like, let's talk about the 3K, 2K session quickly. Yeah, so I, yeah. I did like one half marathon session, or if you want to call that. It was like three times 3K and three, three times 2K. And I did the 3Ks in about 320 per kilometer. You know, what mo many people run their long runs in and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the 2Ks, I ran at about like 315 and brought it down to 310. Yeah. So nothing crazy. You know, looking back at it... It's, 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 like it, it's obviously you're, you're, you're pretty fit yeah but it's nothing no indication of winning the national champs exactly <laughs> really and, and i didn't think about it uh, i was like okay i've never done such a long workout so you know it must be good yeah it, it, it was long and okay whatever so i stood at the line everybody's saying how this guy's gonna win i'm like how do you know that so we start out the race and i had to start out of the b corral because I was too slow. So I was not even like in the first shoot of, of the elite runners, I guess yeah. if you want to call that. And um, so as Henrik takes off and runs away from everybody immediately from the start, I had to pass the whole rest of the elite field. How many people? Um, Roughly. It was about 30, 40 people. Yeah. I had to run around them. Yeah. Quite a big bulk and just like caught up to Henrik. At that moment, my teammates told me after the fact, 
that they were all looking at each other saying, okay, this guy's toast. Yeah. Like, so he's not going to make it. Yeah. And um, so we passed 5K at about 15.15, which was really fast at the time, but I didn't, I didn't think about it. There yeah. was the point again, like, don't even worry about splits, really. Yeah. Then we hit the halfway point. This is the best part, the halfway. Yeah, we hit, we hit the halfway point at, uh, at um, it, was, it was about 30.25 to 30.30, something like that. My PB at the time was 30.27. Yeah. So I ran basically exactly my 10K PB at the time. And I didn't even bother, bother thinking about that this could be a problem. And yeah. we just kept running. That's the amazing thing. That, yeah. people that people that get into this mental rut yeah. that we're talking about here, they would really panic, Yeah, I think. Most likely. Yeah. They would go, oh my God, I just, I've, I've gone through not even halfway. Yeah. In a that's, that's, a, that's not good. Yeah. Because it's too fast. And I'm going to die. At this time. But I you didn't, didn't care. At the time, I didn't even question <laughs> Like, it didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that this was an issue. And so Henrik, um, his, his race strategy at the time seemed to be to do little, like, uh, spurts of, so of speed, kind yeah. of like pickups here and there to try to get rid of me. And, um, at about like, I forgot where exactly it was, eight to ten k. I basically turned to him. I said, "Henrik, uh, let's just run. Let's just run together. Let's just stop. Let's just stop doing these these pickups, basically." And he didn't answer, but um, he he stopped doing them. So he, yeah. he didn't continue doing them. So I guess yeah. you know. You basically like hinted at him to to don't bother. You're, yeah. not, you're not going to get rid of me, yeah. I guess, basically, because I really felt that the worst that could happen to both of us is that we just get so caught up in battling each other yeah. that someone of us is going to get caught at the end. Yeah. So I told him, like, hey, basically, let's run together for a while, um, and then we'll duke it out at the end. Yeah. And um, we ran together for a very long time, then until about 18 or 19K, and then my coach pulled up next to me and um, and basically told me to, like, you know, now bag it, finish it, and finish it off. And I really kicked home and had probably had the best finish there of my life. Finished like right on that 250 for the last kilometer. And, you know, celebrated on the way home. It was probably the best athletic achievement I've had to this point. So that was amazing. Yeah, that's a huge thing. It was yeah. so much fun. And, um, but, you know, the, the point is never in this race did I doubt that I wasn't going to win. Yeah, and never in this race did I doubt that whatever I was doing there could be wrong. Mm. I just didn't think about it. And yeah. now moving forward in many other races, um, and the last experience that I had in this kind of way was my marathon debut because we were hitting halfway way too slow. We wanted to go sixty-eight. We hit it at sixty-eight thirty, and we had to hit the standard for the European Cup, which was two seventeen. So like mm. right at right on pace. Um, but we hit it too slow and then some guys were going crazy and were going super fast. And, and um, after the half marathon, I never looked at my splits again. I just, I just ran as fast as I could. And then once I saw the finish line, I just kicked as hard as I could yeah. and outkicked one guy, um, which, you know, that earned me the spot on the team, which, cause I was the last guy in. Um, and so it's really unfortunate that after that, I kind of, I kind of lost it because I feel like I started learning about running too much. The expectations got too high not really from other people, but mostly from myself, because now you expect yourself to be at this level all the time, which is not the case. I mean, you can never be on all the time unless you get choke, but he only runs twice a year. So, I mean, if you probably meet him five weeks after London Marathon, somewhere in E10, I mean, he's probably also a little bit out of shape. And so that's what you also told me had similar experiences when you were racing, especially as a younger athlete. You just didn't. You just didn't care. No. Everything you did, you just 
thought was supposed to be that way. Yeah. I mean, when I ran under 149 for the first time, I remember it clearly because uh, that year I had a decent year. So this is when I was uh, 20 or maybe 21. Um, I uh, had a pretty good year. I ran 149 a few times and I got very sick. I had a, a, quite a bad cold about a week, about a couple of weeks before nationals. Terrible timing. Um, and then I decided that I wouldn't run nationals about a week before because I'd had a cold for like two weeks and I was sort of just jogging whenever I could. And then because nationals were just down the road from me, I live on my, my home to the Gold Coast and it was in Brisbane, so it was only an hour drive. Uh, I, my cold cleared up about five days before. Uh, my coach said, come down to the track and, and help pace one other guy who's going to do nationals. He's my training partner. Um, and I paced him. We did a few sort of quick 200s and 300s and I felt really good. Um, when I went up to nationals, I just thought, well... I already wrote off that I'm even going to be here. So I don't really care what happens here. I'm just going to go in and just try and beat as many people as I could. And Australia, you know, I guess similarly to Germany, um, or similar to most countries, small community, you know, I, many of the people in the three heats of the 800 meters I knew, friends with, you know. So I kind of went in there thinking, people, by the way, knew that I'd been sick. Um, I wasn't really even expected to come top five. I was probably expected to maybe make the final. I was still pretty young. Um, but I just went in there going, ah, I don't really care what happens here, but if I make the final, that's just huge. I'm just going to try and beat as many people as possible. And it just so happens to be, I drew a heat with a lot of people that I knew. So I was kind of like standing on the start line going, I just want to beat all these people. Yeah. And I recruited through the heat, came second, ran like 149 high and like it was quite easy. And in the final, I ran 148.6, had no idea of any splits. I just tried to come like top three and I came fifth. I just missed third by maybe two tenths. Mm-hmm. But it, it was like, like when I... I remember, I remember it clearly, it was 2009, I, I ran the, the race, I finished and just for like about 10 seconds, I was like, oh no, I just missed the medal. And for like a while, like 10, 15 seconds, I was like, oh, how did I, if, if only there was like 15 more meters, I would have got a medal. And then I looked up at the screen and saw my time and was like, what? Like, yeah. how did I run that quick? It didn't even feel that fast. Yeah. It felt like we just sprinted the last 200. I had no idea of my splits. Turns out it was quite an even pace race. I think it was slightly negative split, but I, I just was... I remember looking at the time and thinking for like a while, I was like, is that right? Uh-huh. Is that like, that can't be right. I didn't think I ran 148. And it was, it was, it, it's just on the same, it's in the same topic here that I dropped all expectations, um, didn't look at any splits, got really hungry to try and place as high up as possible. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I honestly believe with 200 meters ago, I was going to come third. I thought I could. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I had that belief to the finish line. And it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I think we really can both agree that, you know, the willingness to win and, and this little I, I don't give a damn attitude really yeah. helps in this situation. And maybe that also helps being younger because yeah. as we grow older, you know, we learn you, more. You get too smart. Yeah, we get too smart. We overthink uh, things a lot. Um, one thing, though, that I do also really believe, and now this is the question, you know, of the hen and the egg, what comes first is, that many times either when people get in situations where they stagnate or don't improve, either that that leads to them training ridiculously hard yes, or, it's, or it stems from them training ridiculously hard. Mm-hmm. As in, you know, expectations are higher now. I need to either change everything completely or I need to ramp up everything completely. And that's kind of what happened to me, I think, because, you know, I was thinking, okay, now I'm not going to work anymore. Uh, now I'm expected to run significantly faster um of course my coach who had worked with incredible athletes in previous years i mean those guys are running two or fives and sub 27 in the 10,000 you know 
he had also high expectations, obviously, even though he never pressured us to, mm. to hit any splits or whatever. He's not a splits guy. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but I personally put this pressure on me. And, and I told you that yesterday, I wish in those two years when things were going great for me, I had paid more attention to what I was actually doing. Yeah. Because when things are going well, you always take it for granted. You think it's going to be like that forever. And you don't pay close attention to what actually, what actually works for you. And, uh, you know, you get to a new coach, new environment, or even new expectations. You start changing things. And all of a sudden, things don't work anymore. And many times, you don't question them because those are the, that's the new gold standard now. That's how you're supposed to do things. That's how everybody else does it. And you don't even know if that works for you. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've noticed um, I started, I went from training with a lot of people in college where I first was one of many to then being the fastest guy on the team, training a lot alone, to then training alone almost exclusively post-collegiately. Mm. Um, so when I got back to Berlin here to now training in a group where I'm basically the slowest guy. So any day, any given day that I'm running, there's someone who's having a better day than me or who's just faster than me. And it's really not easy as a competitive runner to accept that fact and to let it go, to basically say, okay, yeah, guys, sorry, I can't keep up with you today. <coughs> I can't keep up with you today and to be okay with that. And the thing is, when my, thing, when my running was going so great, I saw what people did on Strava and how hard they were training and I was thinking to myself, man, those guys are stupid. What are they doing? This is way too hard. Yeah. Like, whatever I'm doing is, is the right thing or whatever. If that was the case or not, there's a whole other story. But just upping training and just upping intensity and all that thing, yes, if you want to make the next step, you need to do that. Yeah. But the question is how much, when, and yeah. when is the right time to do that? Mm. Yeah. So for me, uh, you know, I think moving forward now, I really need to think very thoroughly about, okay, what worked for me? Maybe look at all training logs. That's why it helps to keep a training log, by yeah. the way. Um, see what worked. I wish I would have written down, this is maybe something that you guys can do moving forward and be smarter than me write down how you feel yeah like because i just wrote down splits and stuff but yeah. splits never tell the whole story no i just wrote down times and paces and averages you have no idea if that was hard or exactly or easy or, yeah i would like to see on a on a given week how many times did i actually push the envelope how many times did i just cruise by the way a really good way to do that i don't do this but i've heard about this recently is to write down your rate rate of perceived effort yeah so yeah. at 1 to 10, one to ten or yeah. some people use a different scale, like 5 to 20, which I, I'm not familiar with, but uh -huh. like 1 being just like easiest thing ever, 10 being max effort. Yeah. yeah. Of course, most training falls in the range of maybe 5 to 8, mm -hmm. but if you write down those, and you can write 8.2 or you know 7.4 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's probably actually a really good thing to do because, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself the other day, it's like... How did I feel when training that day? And I talked, we have super nice support system here yeah. with, with like doctors that we could talk to, um, psychologists and such. And what we really came down to, what I really need to improve on moving forward is I need to redefine my feeling because our coach is massively guided by feeling. He never gives us splits or anything. Right. He gives us a feeling or perceived intensity that we're supposed to hit. But I think in, in, the, previous, in the course of the previous year, I had completely misdialed and completely badly configured my own instruments or whatever. So like maybe what used to be a feeling of, you know, I should be going easy um, might now be, okay, 
it's actually a medium. So let's say how today I would go on a given run and I'd say, okay, this felt easy. The perceived exertion of that might have been last year. I might have said, oof, this was pretty hard. Yeah. You know, and those things you don't memorize because you only you only memorize what you want to memorize. Yes. You don't pay attention to those things. And so I talked to my doctor. So the biggest thing moving forward now, also psychologically, is to yeah reconfigure my feeling of what it means to train easy, medium, or hard. Yes. Because in other words, if I don't do that, my coach's training system is not going to work. Because yeah. again, he's coached mainly Kenyans, and this is maybe also how we can bridge the gap to our next topic. Mm. Um, he never gave them splits or anything. He would tell, okay, today's easy, today's medium, today's hard. Mm. And this is something that you experienced in Kenya firsthand. Yeah. Uh, having been to Kenya now five times, Ethiopia is exactly the same. I've been there once. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, they are the they're the prime examples to use here of and all, all of them, from what I gathered as well, ranging from, you know, I spent some time um, running alongside Kipchoge's group to, to just athletes that are 30-minute 10K male runners that are trying to make it to the elite end. Um they are pretty clueless with splits and, and, and so on. Many of them don't have watches. Mm-hmm. Um, most have a stopwatch, but some don't even have that. They are struggling so much um, uh, financially. Many of them are quite happy, though. Um, it's important to point that out because I think it matters. Um, uh, many of them don't have a watch. Uh, most of them don't have a GPS watch. The very good guys do. They can afford them, but you know, most decent GPS watches, at least they start at, what, $100. $100 in Kenya is a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, many of them live on that for a long time. <laughs> so, um, you know, these guys run purely for feel. Um, they have huge training groups that are very social. They are not necessarily talking about running all the time. In fact, for the most part, they speak about other things. They talk about soccer. They're, they're very interested in the, in the football league in, in Europe. Um, they talk about politics in Kenya is a huge thing as well. I've never really, oh, really? understood it, but they talk a lot about that. Yeah, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, because of course I ran with a few different groups. Um, we're both mildly sick, but uh, <laughs> get, getting through the podcast, uh, okay. Um, yeah, they. I mean, uh, I guess slightly off the topic of Kenya, we'll go back there. But uh, I, when I was in Ethiopia earlier this year, my Farah's group was was there, Mudane group. Um, I was down the track a few times when they were training. Um, they're kicking the football around, having a joke about which players being... I'm not familiar with football. You know, I'm Australian, so I'm a bit clueless with the football league. But like, they're talking about which players are being recruited to which teams. And, mm-hmm. and they were like talking about some Ricky Gervais comedy thing they watched. And it was like they don't talk about running at all. They're super relaxed. You know, when they got on the track and did the reps, they ran them... You know, they were just animals. But um, there's yeah. just... There's not that obsession about it at all. Mm-hmm. And... Just there's so I I know of a lot of people that become super obsessed with this sport and start to research it so much that they they find themselves in this mental rut where they start to think things like oh why are my easy runs at four minutes thirty per kilometer or for people in the US or, or um, UK seven thirty per mile roughly um, why are they harder now than they were last year. Mm. Why can't I run three minutes 30 threshold anymore? Am I going... Like, you know, these... They're very light, very brief thoughts. People have many more, you know, uh, things like that that they think about in training. And and these things can be really dangerous over a long period of time to the point where people are starting on the start line and they run the first 
you know, maybe their half marathon goal is, is 110, which is uh, 320 per kilometer. If they run the first two kilometers too slow, they're mentally done, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they can't, they're almost done then. They can't finish, they can't, some pull out, you know, I've, I've seen this happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they take a step right back, which is what I guess, you know, we've got about 10 minutes left in this podcast, which we can try and give advice here, at mm-hmm. least our own advice in our opinion, how to step back and get away from this rut, um, which is a, not an easy thing to do, but we think mm-hmm. we've, we've come up with some ideas at least which we can share. If they step right back and go, hang on, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Yeah. How do I find ways to enjoy it and forget the splits? Then you find yourself in a situation which I can happily say I feel like I'm in the situation now with longer distance running because I'm not trying to be elite. I'm trying to run as fast as I can, but I have no pressure anymore. And I'm running PBs every time I race now. Okay, it's easy because because I'm, I've just started the longer distances, so of course that's going to happen. But um, I stand on the start line now that these days, coming from being in a mental rut for six years in the middle distances, when I think, like, this is fun no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. I've got friends in this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that doesn't happen every single time, but I try to make it happen like that. Afterwards, I'm looking forward to having a beer with them. Um, of course, I'm not <laughs> advising having beers good after the race. I'm just saying this is the, my, my train of thought before races. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the end of where I was going with that. But um, it's, it's, it's really interesting that... It's so easy to find yourself in that space, and I guess now in our in our final ten minutes, we can talk about maybe the ideas that we've had to try and get out of that, mm-hmm. because we've both been in it, um, and I think that I've come well out of it. I mean, having a couple of years sort of off running helped, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if if you're not willing to take a few years off running and you want to run fast in the near future, so we're speaking next three to twelve months, what do you do? Yeah, so. I mean, for me, I'm not out of this rut right now. You know, I just started a season break, but I can basically, I can already give pointers to things that actually took pressure off of me and made me feel better. So I'm hopefully, you know, on my way out of the rut. So the first, the first thing is being aware of it and admitting it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you've done. That's, that's absolutely the first thing, you know, you need, you need to, you need to figure out that, that you are in this situation. I didn't admit it for years. Yeah. When I was in the middle of this, I, I, I sat there for years going, no, it's training. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something wrong in training mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. It's probably actually training is probably most of the time the least important thing yeah. because for most people you can, you know, in easy terms, train anything and get better as long as the other things yeah. match because most of us are not at a point where we're trying to break world records. That's yeah. where things probably get a little bit more tricky. But yeah. for most people of us, it's really, you know, train a little more, train a little smarter. You're going to run faster. Um, so here, I'm going to tell you a few things that I did. Yes. So first of all is I caught myself obsessing about what other people do. Mm. So And that's so retarded. Uh, sorry, that's not politically correct. It's so stupid yeah. because my coach actually told me, why are you guys looking at other people? Everybody is looking at you. You guys have the best team. You guys have the best apparel. You guys have the best infrastructure. You Everybody's jealous of you. Why are you looking at other people? Yeah. And that's so true. So I... I really like Strava. I think it's a great company. I have friends there too. But I just went completely uh, MIA. I just completely locked out everything. I st- my profile is still up there, but yeah. I'm not posting anymore. because Not because I don't want to post, but because I don't want to see what other people do. Not yeah. because I don't think it's interesting, but it's just not good for me at this point. Yeah. Might change again. Another thing is um, I deleted Instagram off my phone. I yeah. still use it on the computer sometimes to see if people write me, you know, to stay in touch, those kind of things. Because I noticed... I just spent dumb time on there just looking at what other people do. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, who's training what, this and that. It's, it's so unnecessary. And before, also a fun fact, um, I only signed up at Instagram after I won the half marathon championship because random people were sending me friend requests on Facebook. And I was like, I don't want this. Facebook is private. I'm going to make an Instagram. Yeah. So that's where the whole issue started. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, deleted that. Then um, I haven't really posted any modern pictures of me lately, but um, I also shaved off my mustache and I was, <laughs> I was growing a mullet, which I also shaved. So now I'm clean shaven and, <laughs> and my, my hair is extremely short. So I, I had one of those like Britney Spears moments, you know, I just had a terrible half marathon race and I sat down with my wife and like, hey, what are we going to do now? She looks at me, she, she goes, the hair and the mustache has to go. <laughs> she goes, and, um, it's actually a funny you story. You did him at Centrowitz. Yeah. He had a bad year and dyed his hair blonde. Oh, really? Yeah. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing in college one time. I had a mustache, had a terrible race, shaved it off, peed <laughs> out the next day. There so, you go. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. So I did it again. Anyways. Um, then another thing I did is I started turning off my GPS watch. I, yeah. I ran routes. I think that's that, a big deal. Absolutely. And I've yeah. seen so many people that obsess about splits. So I think GPS watches are a great technological yeah. advancement, but I think they really do damage a lot of people. Like, yes. So everybody, And people, many people have no idea that they're doing that. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody has the house routes where, you know, that you've run for years and years and you know how long they are. Just stick to those routes. It doesn't matter how fast you go. Yeah. Really, don't even use a stopwatch. Nothing. Don't compare. Yeah. Just run, listen to how you feel. Yeah. That's it. What's the agenda for the day? Recovery, hard workout, whatever it may be. Do that. Focus on how you actually feel. Now, if you have a training group. That's pure Kenyan style. Yeah, absolutely. By yeah. the way. My coach. Many uh, of them, like, sorry, super quickly. Many of them will like be like, oh, it's time for afternoon run. Uh, we always do the same loop. Uh-huh. And I witnessed this firsthand a few times. Sometimes people are like, where's my watch? Oh, I don't know. I don't have time to get it. Let's just do it. They just run yeah. it. Yeah. And they don't have any Strava to connect their watch to afterwards. Exactly. It's yeah. just to go out and do the jog. My, my coach told me yeah. whenever they did workouts, you know, they would not even ask for splits that they had to hit. Yeah. He would say temp- like pace one, two, or three. One yeah. being yeah. easy, three being hard. And whatever that may be that day, they would do. Um, so that's that's one thing that really a lot of, I guess, Western runners could learn from. Yes. Another thing that I figured out for me is I love group training, but I don't think group training is good in any situation, especially if you are one of the slower runners of your group. Maybe it might be a good idea to also either sometimes run on your own and just focus yeah. on how you, you feel yourself and sometimes remind yourself that you are not the slowest runner in the world. Maybe you can look for another group or find another buddy that's maybe your own pace or even a little slower than you. It's going to make you feel really good for yourself because now you're not the one who's struggling for a change. Yeah. So So you think group training is not good? I do think group training is great. Okay. But I do think group training has also its, its downsides. Oh, for sure. So yeah. that's why... And it always depends on it always depends on the group too. But I know, think the vibe and 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 the and the social aspect of a group is really key. Absolutely, but yeah. you have to be careful about how hard it pushes you. Is exactly. that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because the best thing about group training is that it pushes you to do better. So real realistically correct and realistically here is the, the the bottom line is you have to drop your ego. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. That's Which is hard. What it all comes down to. If you can run with a group and let the group go because today is not your day, if you are able to do that, you then group training is absolutely great Perfect. for you at any given situation. Yeah. But I was not at that point this yeah. year. I yeah. was trying to keep up with these guys no matter what it took. Mm. And sometimes on easy days or not even easy days or even on hard days where I just didn't have it that day, yeah. I just 
pushed way harder than I should have. Mm. And so that's why for me to get out of this rut, I chose a few days a week, like normally one or twice, one or two days a week where I would just run on my own or maybe have my wife bike with me or, you know, just really go out on a jog or ask him, okay, hi guys, how, how fast do you plan on running? What's, mm -hmm. what's the agenda for the day? And yeah, I really think, as you said, if you can drop your ego, go ahead. But it's nice sometimes to run also with people that are actually slower than you. Yeah. It, it, feel, it feels good yeah. because it reminds you that you are not a chump, that you actually are a decent runner. Yeah. God, like we've only got a few minutes left in this recording, but that alone that you just said is interesting because when you get stuck at the really elite end, you lose. You can you can Absolutely. completely lose um, perspective. Absolutely. Of how, of how good you really are. Uh, you know, you know I, that sounds a weird thing to say, but like I, I remember clearly when I was running the middle distances when I I had a go for a couple of years of trying to run a good fifteen, like a year or two, and I couldn't. I ran three forty six, which of course is like is decent, but. Now, looking back, because I've completely, you know, moved away from that elite middle distance scene, mm -hmm. you know, that's like a, equal to like a 403 maybe mile. Like mm -hmm. now when I kind of like, I'm, I'm in the recreational space a lot more because I'm, you know, I'm not in the elite marathon, um, corrals, uh, the start lines, mm -hmm. you know, so I've got a lot of friends that are sort of like around my level, three out, two and a half hours marathon is sort of three hours. Now I realize how fast that 1500 really was, yeah. you know, yeah. but at the time I kind of felt useless. I was kind of like 346 is not good at all. Yeah. It's like, I'm so far off these, my friends that are running, you know, I, I grew up training a little bit with Ryan Gregson, who's the fastest Australian ever, 1500, 331. And at the time he was like 19 running like 338, 337. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm pathetic. Yeah. And so, sorry, what you just said there is it's important to yeah. to try and keep your head away yeah. from that a little bit yeah. and go, hey, don't be so hard on yourself here. Like, Absolutely. It's... Because, you know, at the end of the day, any uh, ambitious and even recreational runner is is probably not the slowest one out there. No. And even the slowest one out there has its purpose. You know, yeah. it's all good. So sometimes it really helps to remind yourself yeah. that, yes, you might not be the fastest kid on the block mm. and in your group, but you're still faster than many, many people out there. Mm. And many, many people out there are looking up to you. Mm. Like, it's, it's such a loss of perspective when yeah. people come up to me and say, hey, dude, you ran so fast and I'm having my hissy fit here because I just ran 218. Yeah. And that's actually so stupid yeah. because it's so much, many people would kill to run like Man, that. Man, I, I, I will never run that time. I know I won't. Uh, I mean, I reckon my potentially fastest marathon ever is about two twenty five, and I, like it's funny because I'm a perfect person to look at that perspective. Like two eighteen, you were steaming about it. Admit, you know, I completely understand why. Yeah. Because two sixteen, you ran when you, uh, you know, according to yourself, were not a full time athlete, mm -hmm. and then you had your sights set on a lot quicker, which we all know you have the capability of doing. But two eighteen, yeah, it's funny to think about yeah. that. So, so in, in retrospective, as you said, it's probably one thing. Ask yourself, do you enjoy running? Yeah. If you enjoy it, why do you enjoy it? Yeah. And if you figure out the why, yes. then really focus on this why. Yes, and what's, exactly. What, for me, the why was always being competitive and racing. And yeah. not, not necessarily winning, but maybe beating a guy and then trying to not get beat by the same guy that I beat last week. Yeah. And so this competitiveness... As you said, with the Kenyans, for example, stands above all as in splits or whatever. Yeah. And if, if really it comes back to that, you know, now if we toe a line and say, okay, I'm not trying to run sub 30 minutes today. I'm just trying to beat as many people as yeah. I can. And the time is going to be a result of whatever you're going to do there in the race. And so that for me, 
really getting the competitive edge back is going to be my main goal for for that. And if that means running a few smaller races here and there and beating the people that, you know, are probably slower than me and, and you know, sh I guess should be slower in, in that matter, if I, I'm not trying to sound cocky or whatever. But, yeah, no, fully you know, understand. Yeah. You, the ego gets can get a kick out of that. You yeah. know? If, if you get spanked and practice every second day, you know, that's not good for the no, ego. No. So maybe look for a few people that you could spank yeah. and then, you know, you're going to be... You're it's, hard, be it's hard for people at your level to even enter those races though. Yeah. I remember for me, I remember thinking like, even a friend of mine, I, I don't even remember who it was, but I remember someone saying, when I was in this rut, 148 stuck on there for a few years, people were like, why don't you just go into the local meet and just win? Like they're running like 153 all the time. Why don't you mm -hmm. just do that? I was like, no. Yeah, I was like, why would I do that? Why would I do that? I'm, not gonna I'm better than that, yeah. which is just so stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really good quote on this topic from my first coach who I mentioned before. His name was Anton Booth, doctor. Mm -hmm. He had to leave me for the, um, a job. He once said to me, he, he, was, he, was, he was really crazy about this winning, mm -hmm. not really thinking about the times, which is where I saw my huge improvement. He said, I don't know if this is word for word, but it's close. He said, focus on winning, keep winning. Just keep winning, and eventually, if you just keep winning, you're going to run really quick. Yeah, because you will eventually find yourself in the national final. And think, about <laughs> and if you win that, you're forced to run really quick. And think about so, that. That's what it all comes down to. Remember when yeah. you started? Let's say, how early did you start a training field? Uh, I started training, I guess, kind of like somewhat seriously when I was about 18. Okay, but when did you actually start? Start uh, 16. 16. I mean, I was doing, I was running before that, but it was kind of just like on the side of football. Or if you think about it, like when you were like in school, even elementary, yeah. Yeah. like, and, and oh, I was running then, but yeah. exactly. Your teacher yeah. would let you race against the other kids. Yeah. Did you really stand there and think, okay, I'm running a 400. I'm trying to hit sub 70. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go through at about like 34 or whatever. No, no you just line up against the other you just beat them kids all. and yeah. we're like, okay, I'm going to beat all you guys. Yeah, and yeah. if you didn't, you know, whatever. And it's the same for me. I was running times back then. And of course, uh, I was running races back then. And of course, you look at the time afterwards. Yeah. But shoot, I was 12, 13, 14 years old. It doesn't yeah. matter what you run. Yeah. I mean, you didn't care. All you wanted to do is be on the damn podium. Exactly. And if you had to run 340 to do that in the 1K, then you did that. If you had to run 320, then you would do that. And that's what many Kenyan runners do too. It's no, it, almost all. Yeah, pretty much all. Yeah, actually. if they have to run twenty six fifty to win, that they'll do that. Yeah. They have to run twenty eight fifty. But to they don't. Care. They don't care at all if they go to a race in Europe in ten k and win. This could be a twenty seven flat runner. Yeah. They don't care at all if they go to a race and win in twenty nine. Yeah, they just stoked they've won. Yeah, they exactly. can't care less about the time, really. And okay, unless there's some like, oh, they need, they've got bonus. one race, they need to quant qualifying time. Maybe yeah. that's disappointing. But in the most cases, if that's if that if that dynamic or that aspect's not there, mm -hmm. they just they're just winning. Yeah, so, so and of course, everyone listening to this might not be in a situation to to win races. But it's no different to just trying to place as high up as possible. Exactly. Yeah. It's and no different. At the end of the day, you know, I just mentioned that to say because that's my love. Yeah. Of running, you yeah. know, and, and that's where you initially found the exactly for other people, it might be something completely different. For yes. other people, it might be, I don't know, collecting all majors or whatever, yeah. or you know, whatever it may be. But I think, in order to get out of a funk that many people have, it really comes down to okay, why am I doing this? No, first, am I enjoying it? Mm. Why am I enjoying it? Why am I doing it? And then, really eliminate all other factors that you notice are not really producing any good in your search of this pursuit yes yeah 100 that may be you know bad attitude or gps watches or yeah maybe, whatever it may be it, you, you, eliminate it i had to take a, a few ego hits on the on the way to improving and i think everyone does 
Yeah. You know, when you get when you get really involved in the whole, oh, I post this on Strava and I get twenty or thirty kudos, mm-hmm. and maybe that's bad for you. Maybe yeah. maybe logging on there every time is bad because you think, well, people are judging my training performance and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so perfect advice I think from you there, and I think two ways to do that in my opinion that I gave this advice to a number of people lately is one, find yourself a very good social training group. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's fun and you talk about other things and running for sure. And secondly, try to run more free. And what I mean by that is maybe stop looking so much at the splits, the paces, drop your watch. You, or you've already said this, um, and and try to run for feel and and feel good after runs and not sit there. Don't judge every run based on the the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, great advice. No, because at the end of the day, I run my fastest times when I train slower than at other times. Yeah. So yeah. Um, at the end of the day you know it should be fun if it's not fun then what are you doing yeah thanks so much again for joining so we recorded a podcast episode just before this actually which is another one and on that episode we spoke about uh, the the new vapor flies 4% and next percents and the neck the, the one after the next percents which don't have a name there's rumors about the name we also spoke a bit about what Philip does outside of running he's involved in an interesting um company that helps students come out of high school or even or or even runners after high school um find scholarships in the u.s uh, and their business model um is explained very well on the end of that episode it's in the last uh, 10 to 15 minutes um so i recommend going to listen to that uh it's the one just before this um and we talk a little bit about the ineos challenge as well the sub two attempt which is happening in two days which i'm looking forward to so thanks again for joining phil we're going to go get a bite to eat after this (laughs) thanks for having me it was a lot of fun cool thanks for listening to that podcast episode with philip barr about mental ruts and how to get out of them uh, if you enjoyed that episode, I recommend listening to the earlier episodes as well, in particular the one that we uh, we recorded last week about the vapor flies and all about a few studies that we observed about how much they help us improve. Uh, our next episode will be about the experience we had at the Ineos 159 Challenge last week, which was obviously an, an amazing event to be at. Um, as mentioned in the intro, we, we ran with a pacer the following day and we got some sort of inside information on what it was like being a pacer and some of the details about what happened in the lead up in the last few days uh, in, in Vienna. Uh, I mentioned too about our Kenya running experience uh, training camp that's happening this January. So it goes from January the 5th through to the 18th, uh, taking place in Iten, Kenya, the running hub of the, uh, well, of Kenya for sure, but uh, I guess one of the running hubs of the world. The training camps. Uh, it includes uh, it includes everything. It includes accommodation, meals, transfers. Uh, pretty much every day, we we meet with either an elite athlete or or a top coach. We do social events. There's obviously training included as well. I myself am an accredited um, uh, distance running coach, so I take the the training there. Um, you can obviously do your own thing if you like. Uh, but more details about that taking place on January the 5th through the 18th, 2020 are on our website or at the links below in the show notes. So definitely check that out on our website. If you just go to the experiences tab, you'll find it there. We've got a few more spaces left on that trip. So do check it out if you're interested and stay tuned to the next episode coming out, which I just uh, briefly mentioned about the Ineos challenge that should be out in the next few days. So thanks again for listening in and uh, until next time.